We're going to read this morning four verses, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And so, if you would please, one last time, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, would you please stand? Let us read together, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let us pray. Lord, we come and I ask one more time this morning, God, that your anointing power would rest upon me at this moment. God, that you would help me to preach your word in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. God, that you would help our minds and our hearts to be receptive. God, that we would leave changed, not merely challenged, but changed by your word, by your spirit this morning. God, we pray if there be anybody here that is lost, that today would be the day they come to know you in the true free pardon of their sins. God, I ask, Lord, that you would move on our hearts, move in this service, have your way with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, before I get started, I do want to say this is an exciting day for Crossway Church. The For many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, this um, volleyball tournament is going to follow is one of the more fun things that we do every year. It's one of the few times that we're all together and, and just kind of playing games, having fun, and it looks like the weather is going to be favorable to us, and very excited to have our visitors here this morning that have come to visit us and that are going to be part of that. And so uh, a lot of us are excited about that. We have several that are over there preparing your food now so that you don't have to wait until 2 o'clock to eat. And um, so there's several faces that you might recognize are not here this morning. Most of them are over preparing the tournament and the food for you. And so let them know you appreciate them when you see them later today. But I want to say to those of you that are here visiting... You have walked into the middle of a sermon series that is about as relevant to anything that we face today. We're talking about the battle of the mind, and really in a lot of ways the battle of the heart, the, the, the center of our, our will. What do we do? How do we make the right choices? And we started last week and really just laid down the foundation of the reality, it's hard to think right in this world. It is hard to get our mind and our heart aligned with what God tells us to do. Ask yourself if any of these statements describe you this morning. Do you ever find yourself thinking these things? I want to be free from the ungodly habits and patterns of my life. I don't want to do these same things that I know displease God over and over again. I want to stop giving in to the lifestyle of the world. I want my life to be changed into something that honors and glorifies God. I want to do the right thing, but for the right reasons. I'm tired of pretending my motivations are pure. I want to live for others out of love instead of out of obligation. I want to serve God out of a real thankfulness instead of out of a religious duty. You find yourself thinking, I want to be released from guilt. I want my life to be an act of worship whether I'm in church or out of church. If you've ever found yourself saying these things, there's hope. And all of us, at some time in our Christian walk, have found ourselves battling these exact same issues. For many of you, you sit in the pew each Sunday. You listen to either me or whoever's preaching. And the truth is, you like being here. You like most of the messages. 
Maybe not all of them, but most of them. You find them encouraging. You find them inspiring. You find them thought-provoking. You find them helpful. But you know that in the deepest part of your heart, what you hear when you sit in these pews doesn't match the reality of how you live when you leave these pews. The songs that we sing, the messages that you hear, they all sound very good. But you feel like your life doesn't match what your heart tells you you should be. Somewhere there's an inner voice that you're afraid to say. You don't want to verbalize it. But deep inside there's an inner voice for many of you that simply says this, this Christianity thing, it isn't working for me. You wonder when you look around, what am I missing? What went so wrong since the day that I got saved? Why can't I live the kind of life that I hear about in these messages and these songs? Why do I always repeat the same sins? What's wrong with me? Does this sound familiar to you? It's a discouraging thing to profess that for many of us that's where our Christian life is at. But I want you to know that at one time or another, all of us have been there. All of us. It's true. Just about every Christian has been where you are if you're asking yourself those thoughts. Again, I want to say, but there's hope. Why do we struggle? Why do we struggle to live what we want to be? Why can we come and be encouraged by the songs and encouraged by the sermon and know what God's Word says and, and decide every week, once and finally and for all, this is going to be the week, I'm going to serve God, I'm done with the old way, and then Monday comes and it's like, well, blew it this week, and so let's just wait until the pep talk next Sunday, and then one of these days it's just going to take. Why do we struggle? First of all, I want to say that before coming to God, we were ruled by our flesh. That is, our own, our own, our flesh and our soul. Our own view of how the world works. What we thought was best for us. And pretty much we lived our life in what we believed was the best way to take care of ourselves. But then you get saved and you realize God has a different way. God's ways are not the ways of this world. And and you become convinced that sin is bad, but then you try to live it out and you try to walk it out in your daily life and there's this conflict of your old nature that says you want to live this way and your new nature that says you want to live this way and it's just like this never-ending battle that eventually we become so exhausted we just throw our hands up and say, well, we'll just let whatever happens, happens and I'll just go to church once a week or twice a week, however often you come and, and hope that somehow I make it through this world. I'm here to tell you this morning, there is such a thing as being more than a conqueror. There is such a thing as living in victory. There is such a thing as learning how to take control of your thought life. There is such a thing as having victory over anger and wrath and malice and hate and depression and fear and worry and anxieties. There is such a thing as victory over that. It's not just something we talk about as some thing to keep us pumped up that maybe one day it will come. It is a very real reality, but the question is, how do we get from here to that place of walking in victory? And the answer to that is by learning how to win the battle that rages in our mind. That's why we're doing this series. There is a battlefield in the mind of every person here this morning. And what you're battling today might be vastly different from what I'm battling today and what your neighbor is battling today, but we all face the same battle. We ultimately need to change our thinking. Our minds need to be retrained, reprogrammed to reflect truth. Most of us have formed what we believe based upon the things that we've seen and grow up, grown up with based upon our experiences of life. But here's the problem with that. This world is cruel. This world is ran and controlled by what the Bible calls the prince of darkness. That being Satan and his legion of, of demons. They have a stranglehold on the general population of this world and on the world system that we live in. And so if I determine how I'm going to live, 
and I determine how I'm going to think, and I determine how I'm going to behave based upon his world system, the system of this current world, I'm going to be left with nothing but hopelessness and despair and pain and sorrow and suffering. Somehow I've got to be able to live in this world, the Bible says, but not be of it. Somehow I've got to allow my thoughts to be controlled by God and what He says is true as opposed to what this world wants me to believe. A renewed mind is a mind that has been trained to think truth instead of lie. A renewed mind is a mind that has been trained to think on reality instead of the illusion of the world. Renewing the mind means that we begin to think like Jesus thinks. The Bible talks about putting on the mind of Christ. His attitudes become our attitudes. His passions become our passions. His purpose becomes our purposes. In other words, a new pattern of thinking is established that ultimately is in line with His pattern of thinking. Now, I want to ask you the question this morning. I don't want to show of hands, but I want you to ask yourself honestly. Can you say that your mind matches the mind of Christ? Is His attitude your attitude? Are His passions your passions? Is His purpose your purpose? If it's not, it needs to be. That is God's desire for each and every one of His sons and daughters. And so I ask the question, how is our mind renewed? If God leads, continues to lead the way that I think that He is, we're going to have one more sermon after this week, and we're going to finish up this sermon series next week. And this morning we're going to deal with a very practical application. If you cannot get the practical application that I'm going to give you this morning, you'll never really be able to break through into the spiritual application that will come next week. You remember when Jesus, He made an interesting statement to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and Jesus spoke about being born again. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again? Is he going to enter into his mother's womb and then be born a second time? And Jesus said that you've got to be born of water and born of the Spirit, and that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. And Jesus made this comment. How will you understand spiritual things? if you can't first understand natural things that I'm trying to explain to you. Jesus always used natural things to move into spiritual teaching. And so this morning, we're going to talk about a very natural, very life-applicable way to deal with our thought life. Next week, we're going to look at the spiritual breakthrough of being transformed like it talks about in Romans chapter 12. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. I want you to look at verse 4 of that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 when God reminded the people of Israel that He had provided for them manna in the desert to live off of. Often Jesus used this analogy of our physical body to talk about the spiritual body. Jesus stood at a crowd one day and opened his arms and said, If any man's thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus said in John chapter 6 to the multitude that was there that if you, if you really wanted to have life, you were going to have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He says here that, that man does not live by bread, in other words, what we eat, but by the word of God. And we see this parallel in the Bible of how the body lives and how the body survives. And it's paralleled with how spiritually we live and how spiritually we survive. And with that in mind today, I I want to talk about a spiritual diet that can transform your life. 
a spiritual diet that can transform your life. If what we eat influences our physical body, then what we eat spiritually influences our spiritual body. A dietitian will tell you there are three basic categories of food. Health food, junk food, and toxic food. You've got food that's good for your body. You've got junk food, which is not good for your body. And then you have toxic food that even just a little, little bit of it could make you really sick or it could kill you. This morning, I'm here to tell you, spiritually speaking, that is the truth. There's health food. There's junk food. But there's also toxic food. There are some things you don't want to mess with at all. Now, I want you to think about our culture. I believe our culture... The way that we live, and I don't mean to make anybody mad this morning, I'm just going to go here anyways. But the way that we live physically in this country really mirrors the way that we live spiritually. And the first thing that I want to say is that if you've ever decided you're going to eat healthy, what you find out is it's a hard thing to do. There is junk food everywhere. When it's time to eat, if you need to find somewhere to eat, Nine out of ten places is junk food. It's not good for you. But it's convenient because it's there, because it's easy to get a hold of. It takes, it actually takes some pretty serious discipline to decide, I'm not going to go to where there's junk. And it's difficult to find health food. Spiritually speaking, you talk about what you feed your mind, what you, what goes in your ears, what goes in your eyes. It is the exact same way. You don't have to go looking for junk to get in your ears. You don't have to go look for junk to get in your eyes. You just got to turn on the TV. You've just got to drive. You could drive five miles if you were observant. Five miles, any direction. Don't matter which road you go down. Doesn't matter if that's road, this road, that way, or that way. Doesn't matter. Five miles, if you're observant, you'll find something that's not healthy for these eyes of yours to be looking at. You'll find something that that tries to appeal to your old sinful nature and, and pull the worst out of you. It'll be certainly, uh, it'll be canvassed in a different light. It'll be painted in a different light. But at the heart of it, it is actually tugging at the old sinful nature. Because junk is everywhere. Now the question is, how are we going to be healthy if there's junk everywhere? You need a plan. That's what you need. You need a conscious plan. You need enough honesty this morning to look yourself in the mirror and be honest enough to say, well, I didn't just stumble across it. And you're not just going to stumble across it. You're not just going to wake up tomorrow and be a super healthy person physically, and you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and be a super healthy person spiritually. It's going to take effort on your part to be conscious about there is health food, There is junk food and there is toxic food. What am I allowing into this body of mind? And spiritually speaking, what am I allowing into this mind? What is going on in here and in here? You need a plan. The first thing I want us to see about the idea of dieting is that willpower alone isn't enough. Willpower alone isn't enough. How many times have you made up your mind, I'm going to think on what's right. I'm going to quit this old pattern of life. I'm going to, this time I'm really going to mean it. Some of you have really meant it. Some of us have really meant it 4,638 times. And we really did mean it. We weren't, we weren't, we were serious. And here's what we find. Willpower alone isn't enough. You need some other things put in your life. We're going to talk about these practical things this morning. You need some other things put in your life to help you with your will, to help you build your desire, to help hold you accountable to do what is right. You've got to be willing to look to God for help. You've got to be willing to draw upon His power. And when you get real serious about life change, You've got to be willing to look up to the heavens and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. I can't make myself, in and of myself, without any outside influence and without your help, I cannot do this. 
You've got to come to grips with that and you've got to get humble before God and you've got to look to God and say, God, help me get my thoughts right. Help me get my living right. God, help me to change who I am so that I really begin to think your thoughts and have your passions and have your desires and be like you want me to be. Willpower alone doesn't get it done. Neither does simply wishing about get it done. Just wishing. If just wishing and just not thinking about it would get it done, every one of us in here would be some famous sportster or something. We would all be really incredibly healthy this morning and we would all just look a certain way, but thinking about it doesn't get it done. You can't think yourself healthy in and of itself. You've got to put works upon what you believe up here you're supposed to be doing. You can't just think, I'm going to wake up tomorrow 20 pounds lighter. I'm going to do it. 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 Tomorrow morning, I will weigh 20 pounds less. It does not work that way. Neither does simply thinking spiritually. I'm just going to be different. We have to be willing to make the changes to get us out of where we're at. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Willpower alone isn't going to get it done. Number two that you need to know this morning concerning a spiritual diet that will change your life is that you need patience. You need patience. It's going to take time. Just as we cannot decide, well, I'm going to go on a diet today and wake up tomorrow and look healthy, you can't just decide, well, I'm going to get my mind straight today spiritually and then tomorrow I'm going to be a super spiritual superpower that's ready to change the world. It takes time. You've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to commit to it for the long haul. And here's the problem with our society. I said I really believe that the way we live as a culture mirrors the way that we have become as Christians. We are lazy people who want to receive from God without any effort on our own part. But that's not the way that it works. You're only going to get out of the Word what you're willing to put into it. And we've become a people that want to do very little effort, very little effort on our part, and then expect this great significant life change over here. And it doesn't work. You can, if you don't put effort into your marriage, your marriage will be weak. You put a little bit of effort into your marriage, and your marriage is not going to look very good. And if you go on the other scale and you put a lot of effort into it and you do everything you can to love your wife or to love your husband, to be a good, solid Christian husband or wife, and you're intense about that and you work on that, you can rest assured your marriage on this hand over here is going to look a whole lot better and function a whole lot better than the marriage over here which has been neglected. It's just simple facts. But yet, somehow, when we we come to grips with this and we know this is true, we want to do very little effort on our part to assume the responsibility to get junk out of our mind. We want to feast on junk food throughout the week and then have the pastor fix us every hour and a half on Sunday morning. It doesn't work that way. And if you really want to get healthy and you want to become that that Christian that walks in the, in the power of God and that has the mind of Christ, you will have to take this, this sermon series, these thoughts, this, this path that God is laying down and apply it to your life, not just when you come and hear me preach, but when you leave this place and then tomorrow and then Tuesday and then Wednesday. And you're going to have to be patient to let it change your life. It's not going to change overnight. You've got to be willing to endure. That's the next thing I want to say about successful dieting. Persistence is the key. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be willing to say, I'm doing this thing for the long haul. This isn't just like a two-week tune-up to get back down to where I want to get, be and, and, and to feel healthy so I can go back and live the way I want to live. This is persistence. This is endurance. The Bible talks a lot about enduring. It talks about those who endure until the end. Paul, Paul was, was constantly admonishing the first century church. 
He was constantly admonishing them to endure, to stay strong, to be persistent in their faith. And if you're going to win the battle of the mind, you're going to have to understand you've got to be persistent about this thing. This is not just a two-week tune-up. This is not just something that you're going to be able to do and get your life back in control over the next month or two months and then go back to the same old way of thinking. This is something you have to be persistent about every day of your life. You cannot eat healthy on Sunday and then eat junk food all week and think you're going to get healthy. It's just silly. It's not possible. It's like we think that somehow spiritually thinking that a Twinkie equals a salad. I heard a hmm. That, that if I eat a salad, then I can eat a Twinkie. Now here's the thing, talking about diets. You can. You can do that. You absolutely can do that. The problem is that it won't help you at all and you'll stay in the exact same state that you were and it doesn't make any sense. Spiritually speaking, we think somehow we can live on those scales. Like I go to church over here on the one side, I go to church over here and I read some Bible, I know some Scripture and I have some Christian friends and I listen to some Christian music, but on this hand over here... There's just some stuff I like to watch that I know is not healthy for me and it really appeals to my flesh and I love it and I, it's just, this is my thing. This is what I do. This is my series. This is my TV show. And you've got certain friends over here that are unhealthy and, 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 and they're, they're constantly gossiping and they're constantly negative and they're, they're, they're constantly questioning really all the things that God tells you not to question. And it's like you want to try to put them all on the scales to somehow live a balanced life. And then you wonder, how come I'm weak? How come my mind seems to be defeated all the time? How come I can't walk in that victory? Because if you're really going to do this thing, you've got to knock that nonsense off. The Bible says the double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. That's what it says. James chapter 1. It says the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We've got to get it settled. There's no room for junk food. That's what we've got to get it settled. There's no room for junk food. Spiritually speaking, there's no place for it. It shouldn't be coming into my body. It shouldn't be coming into my ears. It shouldn't be coming into my mind. No, you are not strong enough to feast upon junk food and then somehow over here still become the spiritual person that you know God wants you to be. You can't do it. I can't do it. None of us can do it. It doesn't work that way. And part of the reason this culture is so ravished, our Christians are so weak spiritually, is because the truth is, if we're honest about it, we feast on junk. And then we play the don't judge me card. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to help you make sense of why you haven't found the victory in your Christian life that you know you should have. And if you'll put down the walls of don't judge me, we all got our own stuff, and you'll just listen to the Word of God a little bit, and you'll just think about it and meditate on it a little bit, it'll start to make sense that you know what? I can't continue to put junk in this soul of mine, in this mind of mine, in this heart of mine, and expect myself to be healthy tomorrow. It's nonsense. But so often that's where we live. You've got to be persistent. You can't just decide you're going to try this for a week. Right? For a whole week, I'm going to be real Christian. And if it doesn't change everything about me and I don't feel like a, a hundred, you know, a million bucks by Friday, then it just doesn't work, preacher. Neither will any diet that you ever try work if you do it for five days. You've got to get it determined in your heart. Man, I need to change the way I live. I need to change the way I think. What else helps a spiritual diet become successful? You need people in your life to help. Don't try to do this thing on your own. 
You need people who will help you. And you also need to learn how to remove the people out of your influence that are constantly influencing you the wrong way. It's unfortunate, but you know there are people that will just, being around them is constant negativity. Being around them, you leave and you think, well, maybe the world is going to come to an end. Well, maybe it is all falling apart. Well, maybe God's not going to answer. Well, maybe things are as bad as what they say. Hey, if you're around somebody who constantly makes you feel that way, I'm going to tell you as kindly as I can, you need to prayerfully consider maybe not being around that person so much. Because what goes in here and what goes in here does affect our overall being. So you've got to be willing to get out of your life that which is junk. And as plainly as I can tell you this morning, if you don't get junk out of your life and you continue to feast upon junk, you can continue to be unhealthy. There's no other way around it. There's no, there is no sidetrack route you can take as a Christian. You've got to make the decision, I'm not feasting on junk anymore. Now, that's from a negative perspective. And I think as Christians, a lot of times what we do all too often is, here's the list of don't. Don't think on these things. Don't, you know, don't feast on that. Don't be around this. Don't watch that. But you have to learn it's not just about what you don't do. You've got to learn to begin to feast on health food. If you just don't eat altogether, you'll die. That's what will happen. And so you've got to learn, not only do I quit eating, I don't mean to hurt step on anybody's toes, but not only do I quit eating Twinkies, I have to start eating salads. And I've got to start being healthy and I've got to start feasting on what is good for my soul. Look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Probably the most precise statement in the entire Bible about this exact topic of thought control and what we should be doing. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's the second thing you've got to understand about a healthy spiritual diet if you're going to get your thinking straight and you're really going to end up being transformed, it's not just what you don't take in that you need to consider. It's what are you taking in. You need to be taking in healthy, God-honoring. You need to be receiving healthy, God-honoring counsel. You need to be in the Word of God. You need people in your life who speak life to you when you're discouraged. You need people in your life who know how to turn you towards God and not turn you around. You've got to make up your mind, I'm done trying to balance the scales. It doesn't work that way. It's not a balance of equal junk food, equal health food. That doesn't work. That just leaves you in the same old state you've always been in. You've got to decide, I'm getting the junk out of my life and now I'm going to start feasting on what is healthy. The same exact principles that apply to the negative apply to the positive when it comes to getting our thinking straight. The first thing you need to know is that through God, you do have the power to do it. In and of yourself, you don't. There's not enough willpower in you to just will yourself into hell. But God will give you the power to do it. And it's really important here that we begin to take that responsibility. Hear me now. Until you accept that your life is 100% your responsibility, you will never empower yourself to be healed or to be whole. 
So long as what this person does or what this person does is what I believe, I can't, I can't be healed until this person does that. I can never be happy until I have this or that. I can never find peace until this person pays for what they've done. I can never feel whole again until this person admits they were wrong. You will live your life in a prison until you quit hiding behind your sins and using other people's sins as an excuse for you to stay in your unhealthiness. You've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, though I was done wrong, though I was hurt, though I've experienced pain, my actions are my actions. My actions are my choices. And I will no longer empower these people who have hurt me to control my life any longer. I can choose to do what is right through the power of Christ. You've got to accept that. You've got to begin to take ownership for your own thoughts. God, through His Word, has commanded us to take every thought captive. I have to own that, God. I can obey You. You will empower me to overcome. And nobody in this world can take that from me. You can do me wrong... But you cannot steal from me my choice to do what is right. I'm, remi- I'm reminded of a guy by the name of Victor Frankl. He was a Jew who lived through the Nazi concentration camps. And one of the things that he wrote about after being rescued and World War II being over, he wrote about his time in the concentration camps. And he said one of the things that fascinated him most about his experience as a refugee, as as someone in these camps, wondering if he's ever going to die or not, he said it was this. He said it was the few men who no matter what we went through, continued to exhibit an attitude of gratefulness even in the concentration camp. He said oftentimes they would even give up their only meal so that somebody else could have more to eat. He said it seemed as if nothing that we went through could force them to become bitter and negative and angry. And he said, I learned through this horrible event, that though we may be imprisoned, starved, beaten, or even worse, the one thing they could never strip from us was our ability to choose our own attitude. You see, when you take ownership for how you choose to live and what you choose to think and what you choose to believe, For the first time in your life, you'll find you're no longer controlled by all the circumstances in this world. You're no longer controlled by whether or not this person likes you or not, by whether or not this person treated you fair or not, by what happened to you that may have been horrible in your past or not. You find, I have the power through Christ to overcome all of this. The same principle of patience matters. I want you to understand something. If you've been thinking a certain way your entire life, if you've been trained to feel a certain way and to behave a certain way to certain uh, circumstances in your life, it's going to take time to get that changed. You might think to yourself as a man, I'm going to quit being a jerk to my wife every time she does this thing that kind of sets me off because I know it's my problem. And you get it settled in your mind, you get it settled in your heart that you know what, I'm not going to treat her that way anymore. And then you have a hard day at work and you're on edge and then you come home and, and it's stressful at home and then she she's that, does it that certain way that just sets you off and then all of a sudden you blow up again. And you think, I thought I wasn't going to do that anymore. It takes patience. 
At least the fact you care enough to acknowledge it, and at least the fact you care enough you're trying to change it is a good sign. But listen to the preacher this morning. It takes time to change deep-seated behaviors in us. So be patient and be diligent and don't give up just because you had a bad day. Don't give up just because on this day you failed the diet. Get back up and, and do the right thing. Now, the same thing is true concerning putting positive stuff into us. You've got to have patience. You are not going to memorize this between now and tomorrow morning. It's just not going to happen. You are not going to know every single place that, that God speaks to you directly and, and your needs. You're not going to know it all by tomorrow morning. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to have to take a willingness on your part to believe the same thing spiritually that you believe physically. If I need my health to change physically, I have to believe that if I stop feeding junk and I start eating right and I start living right, I might not look a lot different tomorrow when I look myself in the mirror. Just because I decide I'm going to have a salad and some good clean chicken and I'm not going to eat sweets and I'm going to stop pop today doesn't mean that tomorrow I get to wake up and look myself in the mirror and I look like this great healthy person that I wanted to be. That would be nonsense to believe that. But I have to know and I have to get a cell in my heart if I do this today and if I do this tomorrow. And then if I do this the day after that. And then if I do this for a whole week. And then maybe I have a bad day, but I realize I've got to get back up and I've got to keep doing this. I've got to get my thoughts in control and, and, and I've got to think on what is pure and I've got to think on what is right. And so I'm going to keep going and I do this for a month. I'll bet I look a lot different next month than I do right now today. And probably after a month, I'm still not going to look like I want to. That's going to take time. That's going to take six months to a year before I find myself in that healthy position spiritually that I wanted to get to. But you've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to continue to be persistent. Again, persistence is the key. And then finally, you've got to have, again, the right people in your life. You've got to have the right people in your life. Next week, I'm going to talk about breaking chain. I'm going to talk about transformation. That's supernatural. I'm, I'm talking to you about some real practical stuff today. Next week, we're going to look at transformation. But this point that I'm about to make will help us get ready for next week. You've got to have the right people in your life. You know, a lot of times, we don't want the right people in our life because we don't know how to be around those people. We've learned how to live a certain way. And even though we know our way is chaos, and even though we know our way is messed up, and even though we know that our way is not working, we know how to live that way. And it's just easier to put ourselves around people that understand that and let us be. But if you're going to come up out of that, and you're going to be transformed, and you're going to live the life God has for you, you've got to have enough courage, you've got to have enough uh, strength in Christ to say, you know what, it's time that I put myself around the people that are going to help me be who God wants me to be. And it might be awkward. You might not know exactly how to how does this you know how these people work, but you know what? I need people in my life that are speaking life to me. And if you don't have anybody in your life that is speaking life to you, if you don't have anybody in your life that is saying, Hey, you can do this thing. God's got a plan for you. God God cares for you. And here's how you need to think about this, and here's how you need to handle this situation. If you don't have anybody in your life who's honestly doing that, and you want your life to be changed. You're going to have to take the effort to find a couple people that you trust to say, hey, I'm going on a spiritual diet and I'm going to change my life, but I need some help. I need some people who have been there and done that. I need some people who know what I'm going to be going through and, 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 and who can tell me what I need to hear when I need to hear it. And so, could you please help me with this? Sometimes we've got to go after those people. And if you really, truly want change, you're going to have to take that initiative yourself to do that. All too often, we don't want people in our lives because we don't want the accountability that comes with it. We want to be able to do what we want, when we want, how we want, 
and then cry about the, the, you know, the, the consequences later. But if you're going to see real change, real life change, you're going to have to get wise. Quit feeding yourself junk. Quit hanging out with people that are feeding you junk. Quit watching junk. Quit listening to junk. Quit joking around about junk. Quit filling yourself with junk and then wondering, why do I feel so sick spiritually? And then when you quit that, understand you've got to feed yourself too. It's not just enough to decide, well, I'm not going to eat junk. You've got to feed yourself spiritually. You've got to get in the Word of God. You've got to have people that are encouraging you. You need to be in church. You need to be regularly hearing the Word of God uh, 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 preached and taught because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You've got to start learning how to feed yourself healthy and surround yourself around people who will help you feed yourself healthy. Finally, I said it again. I said it once concerning the unhealthy. I want to say it again concerning the healthy This is not a two-month crash course to get healthy and then go back to the same old way of living. As our worship team comes, here's the final thing I'm going to tell you about this diet. It's not really a diet. You know the reason that most diets don't work? I did some studying on diets. And... um, one of the legitimate sources I was studying said that most people, after everything's done, the cycle's done, and, and they're back to where they started, most people gain 11 pounds per diet. I thought that was a really interesting thought. The real reason that diets ultimately don't work is because we want to do something for two months, look like somebody that's super healthy, and then go back to eating cheeseburger and fries. And so if you're going to be transformed forever, you've got to understand, this is not a diet. Christ does not stand with arms wide open and, and invite us to come for a two-month crash course so that we can look like we want to look. Christ says, I'm willing to help heal your mind. I'm willing to change your life and transform you like you never imagined was possible. I'm willing to help you conquer your fears, your anxieties, your anger, your wrath, your hate. Whatever it is that you face, Christ says, I'm willing to help you conquer that. But it's not for a two-month crash course where you can then go back to living and thinking the old way. This is a committed lifestyle change. And the only way you stay healthy is by continuing to do the same things that caused you to get healthy. My final closing thought this morning as your pastor, one of the things I see in our culture, we just want something for nothing. We want the magic pill. That's what we want. Give me the pill that I can take so that I can still eat however I want to eat, do whatever I want to do, and turn out looking like an incredibly healthy supermodel. There is no such pill. But wouldn't you be honest? Our culture is constantly trying to find it somewhere. Constantly we're trying to find that way to get something with very little effort. My fear is that all too often the reason so many fail in Christianity is that they come with that same mentality. God, just work a miracle at the altar. Change the way I think. Change the way I live. Change the way I, I, I am throughout the week. God, make me be this. And God says, I'm not going to make you. You have to take ownership over your own life. God says, I have told you how. I've told you to take your thoughts captive. I've told you not to be put in junk into your body. I've told you that you need to think and meditate on what is pure and true and praiseworthy and honor. I've told you all of that. I can't just wave my hands over you at the altar and and, and, and somehow allow you to go feed yourself junk and be healthy. It doesn't work that way, God says. It works this way. 
My fear is, is that our culture of entitlement, our culture of we want so much for little effort has crept into our spiritual lives. And I pray that this morning somebody allows God to break through that in you. And somebody in this place will say between yourself and between God, God, I'm done waiting for the miracle pill to change my spiritual life. I'm done waiting for the miracle trip to the altar to change my life. I realize I have to take control of my thoughts. I've got to quit filling myself with junk every week and then wondering why I feel sick. I've got to start filling myself. I mean filling myself day and night, meditating day and night on what is good, on what is pure, on what is true. I've got to put people in my life that are going to help me do that because otherwise I'm going to stay in this place spiritually forever. God doesn't want you to stay there spiritually forever. God wants you to be free. Lord, I pray that you'd move all across this room in Jesus' name. I believe, Lord, I've said what you'd have me to say. I pray, God, that however it came out, you would take it and help it to be understood in our hearts the way you meant it to be. God, I pray this morning that while we all understand this is a lifelong commitment, I pray that there'd be some that'd be willing to at least acknowledge that to you, that today that commitment starts. God, I pray that there be some that look to, to some others to gather around them and help them begin this journey. I pray, God, that You would set people free to believe that You have empowered them to overcome, to trust Your way, to trust Your will, to trust Your Word, to make that decision. No more junk going in this mind of mine. No more junk going in these eyes of mine. No more junk going in this ears of mine. It's time to be healthy. Father, move all across this room in Jesus' name.